With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Welcome to the Wolverine Confidential Podcast. I am Andrew Kahn. I'm Ryan Zook. And I'm Aaron McMahon. We've got plenty to talk about on this episode, like why Hunter Dickinson decided to stay in school and what it means for Michigan, some football recruiting, and college athletes getting paid, that and more on this episode of Wolverine Confidential. All right, guys, good to be back with you two. We've got a lot a lot of topics to cover in this particular episode, so let's get right to it. Biggest news, I would say is that Hunter Dickinson, reigning Big Ten Freshman of the Year for the Wolverines, uh, second-team All-American, is back for his sophomore year. You know, he kind of took kind of took to the deadline to announce his, his declaration for the draft. He took to the deadline to announce his decision to return, but he's back. I don't know. Let's start with why, I guess. It's why and then, you know, what it means for Michigan. So why? He certainly made the media rounds, uh, you know, after announcing his decision, talked to a lot of different, you know, national reporters as well as, you know, me and other local, you know, the beat writers uh, on a Zoom call. You know, I kind of I listened or read, you know, all of them. So kind of got the full picture here. And it came down to two things that he was not confident he was going to be a first round pick and he wanted to experience college the way it ought to be. Uh, it was not last year because of COVID. Now, I want to be clear, and I was in my story. That first thing outweighed everything else. So we can talk about all these other factors, but I asked him point blank, if you would have been a f- confident you would have been a first-round pick, would you have stayed in the draft? And he said yes. So there's that. I mean, that that's really what it boiled down to. But when you're on the fence and, you know, oh, maybe I could be late first round, maybe I could be, you know, early second round, you get a guaranteed contract. You know, I'm 20 years old, turning 21, you know, early into next season. That's old for a, a sophomore, you know, other things can, can sway in one direction. And the college experience was, was that main thing for him again, last year, few to no fans at games, you know, in the, in the big 10 season, there were never any true fans. There was family members at, at the games, the second half of the year, but no true fans campus closed, you know, just classes virtual. He said he wants to be that guy that walks to class, you know, across the diag and gets stopped for pictures and, you know, autographs and, hey, good game last night and things like that. I get that. Like, he, he's, he's a gregarious guy. A lot of seven-footers, despite their size, are somewhat reserved, kind of shy. Uh, you know, like Shaquille O'Neal is like the outlier, but that's where, that's where Hunter Dickinson falls on that spectrum. He's a gregarious guy who, who wants to, you know, be among the people and, you know, attend football games at the big house. So these were all, these were all things he said as far as why he wanted to come back. To your first point, there is a stark difference in in pay 
as you mentioned, being drafted in the first round compared to the second round of the NBA draft. So like you said, if you're not a surefire first rounder, at least at this point in his career, it's probably the best move for him financially to at least come back for another year. So I, I don't blame him here. It probably was the right move. As, as he said in the press conference, and we can kind of go into that, you know, go into this later, but he's got some things still to work on and NBA teams want to see from him. So I think it's in his best, you know, interest to come back, not only for the college stuff. And like you said, live the college life and, you know, play a season under more, you know, normal circumstances, but there's just, there's just things he can get better at. And I think at Michigan with Juwan Howard and his connections and his, you know, his ability to improve as, you know, improve players as we've seen, it was the right move. And I guess I don't blame him. I think maybe some of us may have saw this coming. I mean, college players now are in the unique spot where they can kind of exhaust all options. They can hire agents now and then go through the draft process and then get evaluated and the like. And I think he now has as much information and as much, as much information to work with. And I think it puts him in the best, best situation possible here. Yeah. I mean, to me, it was, it was kind of a little bit surprising that he said that when he originally entered the the draft, that he was kind of leaning towards uh, going and entering and and keeping his name in the draft until he he received a little bit more information. I know when we first talked, it's like, yeah, like kids don't just enter the draft just to enter the draft um, without actually seriously considering it. So I I was kind of surprised with how strongly he was considering it and how, how things kind of changed to, to where he ends back up at, at Michigan. He was not invited to the combine. I mean, that was a big thing. That was an eye-opener for him, kind of a reality check. Okay, geez, I'm not viewed as one of these top 70 prospects or whatever. Okay, that's where I stand. And yeah, to Aaron's point, just coming back and having another good season like he did last year won't be enough to get him in the first round because all he'll be is a year older. He's already got tape. 23 games as a starter. He led Michigan in points and rebounds. Plenty of Big Ten teams were ranked in the top 10. They made it to the Elite Eight. Like, There's film of him against other quality teams, so he'll have to do more. You know, He said there's three things. It's uh, well, We'll start small and go big. It's a little more mobility in, you know, defending ball screens as a big man. Again, these are all things that are that are important in college, but even more so in the NBA. Ability to finish with his right hand. He's, he's a lefty, and almost all of his points, if you noticed, came with his left hand around the basket uh, in, in his freshman season. And the third thing, and this is the biggest one, show a consistent three-point shot. Apparently, he did it in his workouts, he said, and now teams want to see him do it in game action over the course of his season. That will be interesting because is that at odds with what Michigan wants to do? You know, ideally, you know, what's good for you is good for the team is good for you is good for the team. And it's just, you know, it works, you know, symbiotically. It's interesting. Like if he's, if he's three is worth more than two. So sure. But, you know, for him to go, you know, one for four in a game isn't necessarily ideal. So yes, if he can refine that stroke where he's, you know, he's taking two or three a game, maybe, you know, and, and hitting one or two, then that's, that's good for Michigan, and I think he, he can get there and draw defenses away and hopefully just make it easier for himself even to score inside. So I could I could see it going that way, but he'll have to get that freedom from Michigan. Just let him put up like eight from beyond the arc in, in games against these like non-conference opponents, like the, the max of the world, and just have him uh, get accustomed to doing that in those games. I think we're going to see early on next season whether, yeah, that, that three-point improvement has has actually happened uh, but the i mean i guess the point i'm going to make the nba game has changed so much it's diversified so much where it's not not enough nowadays to be a seven foot center you, you got to be able to do other things handle the basketball shoot from the outside and yeah i think for him to really have a splash at the nba level he's gonna have to be able to show a an outside shot 
So yeah, he's gonna. I think he's gonna have to show that next year. Like, but like you said, how much room Michigan's willing to give him within its offense to do that will be, I think, something to watch. And I, I thought it was pretty interesting that he kind of just openly revealed all these things because I think it, it kind of opens the, the 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 can to like opponents can game plan for some of this stuff. So you know, I, I do think it, it helps his game if he's able to do other things and, and do them well. But at the same token by him you know kind of revealing all this teams are going to kind of know what to look for you know next season so i think that's going to be interesting to watch too yeah and it gives it gives michigan now a second returning starter along with eli brooks who took advantage of the extra year in the backcourt you know they bring in a, a veteran transfer in the backcourt and Devontae jones who's you know officially you know coming to michigan and they bring in the number one freshman class in the country i mean at least one of those guys figures to be in the mix to start likely caleb houston um, you know, kind of a, a small forward type who's playing for Team Canada right now in the, you know, the under-19 team. And, you know, he's he's led them into the elimination round and they won again today. I think they're doing well with, with him playing well. You know, Brandon Johns Jr. is an option to start at that other forward spot. So this is this is gonna be a, it's gonna be a veteran team, but it's gonna be a team that has a lot of good young players too. Yeah, it should be. It should, and I had an NBA GM texts me. Uh, we're going back and forth after the Dickinson news, and he said that this should be a fun team to watch with with Dickinson and Jones. Now it's you know it's a nice it's a nice roster. It, it's a it is a deep and talented roster. You know, and you can see why Michigan is among the favorites and the betting favorites right now to to win the national championship. It's very early, but yeah, they're they're right up there. So this is this is huge news for the Michigan men's basketball program getting Hunter Dickinson back for another year for one more year. I mean, he said that multiple times. I'm coming back for one more year, one last ride. Like, so don't expect this drama this time next year. Uh, I think it's going to be, I'm, I'm in the draft and I fired an agent and I'm, you know, enjoyed my time in Michigan and, and that's that. So we'll see. So I take it this takes Michigan out of the Kofi Coburn running. I kid, I kid, I kid. Yeah, that, that is an interesting <laughs> thing all along. As I, I don't know the details of why he's he's leaving, but he's going to be playing college basketball somewhere else, which is kind of too bad for you know. It was, it was always fun watching him go up against uh, you know Dickinson and some of the other centers in this league, but so be it. All right, I think that covers. We'll come back to some some basketball talk towards the end, but that closes the the book on on our Dickinson chat. But we've got football recruiting. Um, again, it was a couple of weeks ago. Hey, where are the commits for this 2022 class? Then it was like, oh, all right. The ball started rolling, and now it's starting starting to snowball a little bit. Is that is that fair to say, Ryan? Yeah, I mean, it, it was an extremely busy holiday week on, on the recruiting trail, and and they added three more commits to give them 15 now for for this class when they only had single digits here. Uh, couple weeks ago. So they're, they're continuing to add and started with Idaho three-star tight end Colston Loveland. He led the state in receptions and receiving yards as a sophomore playing wide receiver before moving to tight end. Not too many recruits coming out of Idaho, but his coach kind of called him a, a unicorn in, in the state. Was watching his junior film before talking to his coach and he really showed the ability to, to high point the ball and come down with the catch and coverage. Didn't see much breakaway speed to gain separation consistently, but his high school coach sent me some video after we talked and uh, during some summer scrimmages and his speed looked much improved. And I mean, just look at him. He's chiseled out of, out of rock, man. I mean, he, he's very built six foot six, about six foot six, 240 pounds says he, he works out the lifts twice a day. So uh, an intriguing prospect there. I mean, like, like you said, not too many big name guys coming out of Idaho. So probably, Hasn't gained much attention yet, but maybe with the big senior season, he'll continue to gain some more attention. I'm going to put you on the spot here, Ryan. 
When's their last? When's Michigan football's last player from the state of Idaho? They certainly didn't have anybody on the team. Yeah, I, I, I don't think so. I mean, I was looking. They've had two prospects in the last four cycles ranked in the top uh, 600 nationally. So, I mean, there's very few guys that are coming out of here out of the state that are that are ranked very high. So, I don't know if Michigan's ever landed one. I know the two big names that did come out of Idaho where one was Taysom Hill, now a quarterback for the New Orleans Saints and Ohio state landed a, a top 50 guy out of there a few years ago. I, I can't remember the name off the top of my head. We've got yeah. a top program in the state too, uh, with, with Boise state. So like, right. you know, yeah. that's where you figure guys are going to go. And there's plenty of other, you know, high level programs out there with, with BYU. I think that's where Hill was. Right. So, you know, there's other places. So it's not surprising. I was just wondering if they've yeah, ever had a, it's kind of wild if they've never had a player from a particular state. Yeah. I mean, and I, I know Boise was on him pretty hard and they basically told him like, Hey, you could start for us from day one because they, they liked his blocking ability and, and his size right away. But he kind of fell in love with Michigan, fell in love with Jay Harbaugh and decided to, to pull the trigger on July 4th. So uh, that, a- that gives him t- yeah, go ahead. It's important to note, Jay Harbaugh's done a very good job in the recruiting trail, not only landing big-name guys, but he's found some diamonds in the roughs, too, in, in other positions. So, I mean, for Jay to find this guy, we've got a photo of this kid on mlive.com slash Wolverines if you want to see him, but he is chiseled as heck. He looks like a college athlete already. Uh, so he looks like he could step in and play tight end tomorrow. So the kid clearly looks like he's ready. You know, like you say, he's only three stars. I would, you know, wager to guess that's because he's just in Idaho. He's not monitored a ton. But, you know, it's certainly a, a good find, I think, for the Michigan football coaching staff. It, it was funny. The, the coach, I was talking with the coach, and he's like, yeah, I mean, Colson visited uh, Michigan for the first time on an official on, I think, June 25th. And got the coach got a call from Jay Harbaugh, I think, the next day and is like, holy crap, like this guy is a, this guy's a freak, man. And he's like, yeah, I get that from a lot of coaches when they meet him in person for the first time. So. Will will be interesting to see how uh, he continues to round out his game. And he, yeah, he's only been in a tight end for one year. So, I mean, they have a, a tight end coach now at, at Gooding High in, in Idaho. He can maybe define his game a little bit more and and uh, continue to improve. We're usually uh, told to shy away from the, the the tall photos on our website, on our homepage, you know, the, the vertical ones. <laughs> we want the more hor- But Zook, he's like, no, I'm not cutting this thing at all. I'm going the full no, length. I, did, I, I, I want I, you to get that arm, <laughs> that full bicep. and, and <laughs> I, I actually cropped that photo as much. Like you can see at the top, I, there was even more space down below. I cropped it just to get the football in and the top of his helmet. It's still right. that long. <laughs> So it's like, he's I, tall, I don't know what else six, I'm five. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's like at that point, like how much more, what about your crop like mid chest and just cut off his arm? Like that doesn't look good. So no, no. he reminds me, he looks, I mean, from a physique standpoint, a little bit like Zach Gentry, uh, maybe a little, little shorter, but like from a build standpoint, he looks very similar to him. Uh, on the defensive side of the ball, then they added a couple more guys. One was four star edge rusher, Mario Eugenio. I think I don't know the per- Correct pronunciation there. Yeah. From Gaither, Florida, 282 prospect nationally and and should give Michigan some flexibility in the front seven to play multiple positions based on scheme. But man, he could sure get off to the quarterback. He's had 30 sacks the past two years, and it's definitely a a position of need for for Michigan. So they they need some 
top talent guys on that side of the ball. And, and it looks like Mario could possibly be that guy. Before you move on, he almost, Mario almost seemed like a guy Don Brown would have recruited that would have fit well in Don Brown's scheme. Now he's from Florida. Don didn't really recruit in Florida very often, or that wasn't really his recruiting area. But it, it almost seemed like this guy is definitely an edge rusher, a guy who gets the quarterback and sack the quarterback. So this certainly seems like the type of guy Michigan would have, would have recruited here in the last couple of years. No, yeah, I agree. It'll be interesting to see more if he's a, a DN type of guy or an outside linebacker in a 3 4 for, for Michigan. So we'll have to see kind of where he fits in, but still an, an intriguing prospect nonetheless. And another guy that may, might be my favorite out, out of the group is, is Miles Pollard, a, a three-star cornerback from Tennessee, former teammate of freshman linebacker, Junior Colson. I mean, he's, he's got a lot. He's a big physical corner at 6'2", 185, almost looks bigger than that on film. Uh, he's only ranked number 466 nationally right now, but I mean, he he had like 40 offers from some of the big guns, powerhouses a- across the country. So I think if there's one UM commit that's destined for a big jump in the rankings, I think it could be him. And and Michigan did a good job of kind of sealing the deal. His first offer actually came from Steve Klingstill at Kentucky. So when when he hired when it was hired at Michigan, it was a nice smooth transition. Uh, he's been a target for for the Wolverines for a while, and they finally sealed the deal. And I mean, if there's one position group that you kind of feel pretty good about right now, it's it's got to be the secondary with with five star cornerback Will Johnson and four star Cody Jones, who's probably going to play nickel. Good little trio there that, that that they could possibly build around, and and we'll see if they can. They'll, they'll probably add at least another safety and another corner this class, but a, a good start in, in the 22 cycle. Pollard is a Four-star, according to Rivals, three-star, according to 24-7 Sports, and the 24-7s composite, the average of all the major recruiting services, have him as, as, a, as a high three-star. Like you said, Ryan, I think at some point by the time he gets to Michigan, he probably will be a consensus four-star. He's one of those guys who got tons of offers, like you said, some major SEC programs. There's some schools that were definitely on him. And I think, you know, once he gets to his senior year, he'll probably improve his stock. The one takeaway from these kind of three recent commits for me is just size. I mean, these guys are a little bit bigger mm-hmm. than maybe the average position at this point for some of these high school kids and a little bit bigger than maybe Michigan was recruiting in the past. So I think you're starting to see Michigan's staff go for these maybe bigger, stronger, more more athletic guys. Whereas in the past, you know, I mentioned down Brown earlier, he was tended to recruit maybe some of the smaller end type guys. You saw some smaller end edge rushers, smaller size linebackers. It seems like Michigan staff under, under Mike McDonald and their new assistant, they're going a little bit bigger now. Yeah, just to get back to the class overall now, I mean, they, they have a, uh, the number 10 class nationally, number three in the Big Ten, but it's kind of interesting to note that their overall prospect average is, is down this cycle to 88.9. I mean, last year it was at, it was at 90 and, and they finished with the number 13 class there. So don't be surprised when, when other schools begin to kind of finalize their classes if Michigan falls in the rankings. They still have some work to do. I mean, in 2018, they had a, an average prospect rating of 88.8 and that class finished number 22 overall. So, I mean, it is a little bit of a difficult cycle because of the pandemic and, and there's still a lot of evaluations that need to be done by these recruiting services. But it's not, I mean, I don't want to say, oh, this class is looking fantastic. I mean, expect a lot of big things here. We got to reason, uh, kind of contain expectations a little bit, but still a long way to go until signing day. You nailed it. We've talked about it in previous weeks, but with the new changes with the staff and a new approach, you're going to see a dip in, in recruiting, at least this initial year. Um, I, but I think from a coaching staff perspective, I think it's important for them just to get some of the guys and fill some of the spots at, at certain positions of need 
uh, you know, whether it's a secondary or a linebacker, and then start to build from there. I think next year's cycle will be where I think you start to see Michigan desperately need to, to kind of take a jump. Um, but as long as they can they can fill these spots at these certain positions and get guys in here without necessarily relegating, you know, quality, I, I think they'll be okay. You know, it's important to remember when Jim Harbaugh made a shift in his coaching staff going in, like you said, 2018, that class saw a dip. You're going to see a dip again this year, but it's important for them to kind of establish a baseline from the type of prospect and, and position guy they want and then build from there going forward. And remember, they did have a big bounce back in 2019, too, getting guys like Daxon Hill and Christopher Hinn, two, two five stars there. So they had a good class in, in 2019. So, and remember, I mean, on field, on field performance will play a, a big role moving forward, too. So, like, Michigan needs to have a, a bounce back year here. Another 500 season or, or worse will, will not cut it, or even just a few games over 500. They need to continue to show that these, these changes have, are for the better and, and they're taking strides forward. And establish an identity, I think, more so than anything, especially on the defensive side of the ball with the new coordinator and staff. You got to really show to potential recruits and high school kids the way you want to play defense. Now, that doesn't mean they're going to be successful. That doesn't mean they're going to win a lot of games, but they've got to show a type of defense, a type of scheme that potential five star players want to play in and show that you can able and that you're able to develop talent. And I think that'll help too. But yeah, winning at the end of the day is what all that matters. That's one of the reasons why Ohio State is what it is right now. And Michigan, you're right, Michigan does have to start winning games, absolutely, especially against the rivals, whether it's Michigan State, Ohio State. There's games they've certainly got to win on the schedule. Let's talk a little bit name, image, likeness, huh? Wrap up our, our conversation here with that. Because it, you know, since our last episode now, it's, you know, the the, the doors are open for business uh, for these college athletes to try to cash in. No, no overnight millionaires. Aaron, you wrote about it. So we can start with you. As far as the, a lot of Michigan football players signed up for the same thing, which was this yoke gaming opportunity to play video games against each other and uh, on a pay-per-view type system. Uh, I guess, tell us about it since so many seem to sign up. Yeah, it boring. Seems, <laughs> it seems like several players are involved with this. The financials aren't available at this point. We'll probably get them at some point. Um, but yeah, this this online gaming company, it's, they have an app. They have basically allowed. They've got professional players involved in this. They got now they've got several dozen college players. Sounds like upwards of three or four hundred at the end of the day. Uh, but yeah, you can basically sign up for it through an app. You can pay to, to either st- watch these guys play play video games or stream or play with them. I don't know the fee associated with it, but you do have to pay something. If it's more than $2, it's too high. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, we've talked about this off offline, but like, you know, that's, that's nature of like our, the generation now. I mean, so many people <laughs> right. are making money streaming, playing video games and the like that, you know, it makes sense from them. Now, I don't know how much business you're going to get, you know, I don't know how much business AJ Henning's going to, you know, interest he's going to, he's going to generate, but you know, it, it's an opportunity for them to try and make a few bucks, whether they will or not, I guess, you know, remains to be seen. But you're right. At the end of the day, there haven't been any overnight millionaires, no six-figure deals that we're aware of, at least involving Michigan football. And then you can look at other programs across the country where some high-profile players are, are cashing in, like, you know, Derek King, the quarterback down at Miami, the Miami football team in general. The, the door is open now for players to sign deals. Like you said, last Thursday, July 1st was the first day. And now it's it's available to everyone. Uh, now, obviously, some are going to benefit more than others. Michigan has kind of set its policy it isn't entirely different from what the state of Michigan has had already passed. Um, that, that law was set to go into effect at the end of, of next year, 2022, but it's essentially allowing players, you know, at the university of Michigan student athletes to, you know, leverage their name, image and likeness, whether it's through commercials, 
personal appearances, autograph signings and the like to, to make money. Social media obviously is going to be a big deal, especially for some of these, you know, these student athletes who, who have large followings, whether it's on Twitter or Instagram or the like, they'll be able to be paid to market a, you know, a company market, a product. Um, so don't be surprised if you see some of that come along your, your social media feeds. You know, Michigan has set some rules and boundaries for all this stuff. You know, they do want to be informed seven days ahead of time of the agreement because Michigan does have some things where they, you know, they, they don't want happening. They don't want student athletes engaging in deals that could affect their, their image, whether it's through pornography or gambling or, you know, alcohol, that type of thing. They're not allowed to do that. Um, they, I don't believe they can enter in any, into any agreements from any apparel companies other than uh, Nike and, and Jordan brand. Uh, so there's a lot of things that there's some things that they can't do, um, but by and large, you know, these student athletes are going to be able to kind of do what they want. Now, many of them will hire some type of agent or marketing professional to help them navigate this because there are some things they need, obviously need to do. They, have to pay they should. Yeah. Yeah. So it's going to be interesting next, you know, next six to 12 months. You're going to hear, I think you're going to hear quite a bit about it here going forward, at least, at least early on. But at some point, the, the novelty, I think, is going to wear off on some of this stuff. And I think at some point, we're all going to kind of forget about it. Um, now, there will be the occasional large deal. I wouldn't be surprised if the starting quarterback at Michigan inks a deal with so-and-so and, and gets paid quite a bit. But as of right now, we haven't heard any of that. Uh, but again, you know, we, we've got time and we've got plenty of it here. Yeah, I think we'll eventually maybe have a full podcast on this. You know, for now, it's just it's interesting because it's new. It shouldn't have been. It's just something that didn't make sense. They couldn't do this all along, you know, but I will point out like Adrian Nunez, since, you know, we've talked about him, written about him before the route he took, at least initially, you know, he could be doing some things on social media that kind of fly under the radar behind the scenes, um, you know, sponsored posts and things like that. I haven't seen any yet, but that doesn't mean it's not in the works, but what he immediately launched was just a website uh, where he's selling a particular shirt that has a kind of outline drawing of his his profile on it. I'm not knocking any idea, but like, are people going to want, you know, I'm not sure how many people's face people would be willing to buy on a shirt. He's not really famous other than being on social media. It's his content that that's interesting. Not so much just again, yeah, buying a shirt with his face on it. I don't know. We'll see how it goes for him. There's no harm, I guess, but sounds like you could be hired as a marketing professional to help some of these athletes. Uh, yeah. I don't, I don't know. They certainly need it though. I mean, uh, so I'll have a story coming out next week where I talked to some of these industry experts and uh, just to tease it a little bit. I mean, one of the things they said, like if a, a brand wants to, you know, deal with, uh, you know, an actor, a celebrity, someone, you know, for to get him in a commercial, you know, Matthew McConaughey, that you want to get him in a, in a commercial for, you know, Ford or whatever it is, you know, you got to deal with his agent, his publicist, his manager, his, you know, all these people around him. And, and they're making sure he stays on task. They're making sure he understands the contract because he's not going to sift through, read these documents with all this, you know, legal jargon. Like, it is a little different than I'm just going to post something on TikTok. Like, well, no, if you're involved with a major brand, they're going to want to review it beforehand to make sure it's, it's, you know, meets their standard. And um, yeah, it's just a lot more involved and it almost becomes like a job then. And now you're already an athlete and a student and it just becomes a lot to juggle. So yeah, they, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they bring in some help. Texas, for example, is providing it for their students. There could be a conflict of interest there, but yeah, Michigan, there's no reason why say sport management students couldn't get involved and start, you know, kind of you know, representing some of these athletes as like student projects. I don't know. There's a lot of different ways, a lot of gray area for sure. If you guys were college athletes, what would be your dream endorsement deal? 
It's again, if I wasn't a star player, I'd be certainly happy with with merch or product, whatever, you yeah. know, like things that I eat or drink or uh, clothes that I wear, you know, to be able to just get those things uh, for for minimal minimal effort. That'd be that'd be good. I mean, I don't think I'm like would be great on camera or whatever doing, you know, those kind of things. So then then that starts to be maybe more work. But yeah, I don't know. You guys know the companies I like. Some of them not uh, would not be. uh uh, Michigan would ban me from from doing, but uh, you know, Culver's, just, you know, I could do that. Uh, I was know, just things thinking, like that. Just the companies that I already use, I think, would be ideal. You know, when I was in college, it was like drink drinking beer and like you know, so like I don't like I don't know if that stuff would fly. You know, so it's right. Like, I don't know. Like you said, I think free stuff would be would be helpful, whether it's free right. food, free you know, merchandise, whatever. I think that's that's ideal. But but just pocket money. I mean, that's the thing. Like no overnight millionaires, but like gas money or even rent money if you go up a level there like that they can't get otherwise because let's be honest there's no time for them to get a part-time job like there is for most undergraduates so if it can replace that that's that's a win right there you nailed it yeah it's it's going to be interesting to follow just because as i mentioned the miami football you know deal they got a guy down there with an mma gym who's willing to pay every play every scholarship player on the football team six thousand dollars a year now it's unclear how long that's going to go, whether it's just one year or it could go moving forward. But deals like that will certainly be enticing to players who want to go play in a certain program. You know, whether you're going to get an additional X amount of dollars on top of your scholarship money and your room and board and the like. You know, it's it's going to be interesting to to follow here in the next couple of years how how much that matters. You know, we we talk about pay for play and the like, and players being you know swayed to play for a certain program. Well, that could certainly come into play here, especially if with these lucrative big time deals. I'll be right. Be mentioning that in my story as well, because it's a gray area too, Aaron. You're saying we, we'll see if it goes forward. It might, you know, future years. It might not even happen this year. I mean, that could be considered a booster and, and you know, an incentive to come to the school. If the guy's a season ticket holder, does that make it? A, it's just there's so much gray area in this stuff, but it's all it's all interesting. So. Stay tuned for MLive.com slash Wolverines uh, for more of that. We can close with just a quick news item. I mean, the Michigan men's basketball team, since our last podcast, we know they're playing in a in an event, uh, not this coming season, the next one, December of 2022, with other Jordan brand schools, uh, Oklahoma, Florida, and North Carolina. I could tell from my Twitter mentions right away, people are like, we're done with North Carolina. We're done with Florida. There's been a lot of men's basketball and football games between Michigan and Florida, so I get that. North Carolina, it's on the books for this season. They played two seasons ago, three seasons ago. Like they're, they're, they're just you know like four games in five years or something like that. So I get I get the fatigue there. So hopefully they'll start with Oklahoma at least. And uh, yeah, we'll see. But again, that's not this season. That's next. The Michigan's non-conference schedule still being finalized, but I hope to have it. Hope to have it to report to you guys soon. And the, and, the, and the women's team will be part of that Jordan event I mentioned as well. They, to my knowledge, have not played those other schools so often. So probably any matchup is, is welcome there. All right. Well, full episode here of Wolverine Confidential. Thank you for listening. And uh, continue to read on MLive.com slash Wolverines.